This is an audiobook reading of the effects of the Talmud on Judeo-Christianity by Colonel Jack Moore. Jack Moore died in 2003. This book was published in 1992. This was the last copy I could find on Amazon. Freely share out this book audio recording on any platform you wish. Upload it to any channel you want. Freely share. Although I do appreciate a shout out and a subscribe at Free Speech on Fire on BitChute and Telegram. Free Speech on Fire. BitChute and Telegram. Chapter 5. The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion I have briefly mentioned the protocols, which were a draft or copy of the original manuscript. Many Jews and their Christian Zionist cohorts contemptuously attempt to shrug the protocols aside as being counterfeit. But as we pointed out earlier, in order to have a counterfeit, there must have been an original. The more valuable the original, the more care the counterfeiter uses to make the copy as exact as possible. There's no proof I can offer which will settle the question. Much greater minds than mine have argued the pros and cons. However, if the proof is in the pudding, and by their fruits ye shall know them, I take the position that for over 90 years we've been witnessing their fulfillment. They've used it as a blueprint for their world conquest and have followed its every instruction. If these documents were an anti-Jewish forgery as the Talmudists claim, there is no doubt they would have made supposed Jewish authorship as clear as possible. Instead, They've taken great pains to cover up any Jewish connections. Only once or twice in the entire lengthy document does the word Jew appear. However, there is little doubt that the document was directed against those people the Jews call Gentiles, or in the more picturesque Yiddish, Goy in the singular and Goyim in the plural. With the exception of a few instances, the only distinctive racial term used is Gentile. If a forger had written this during the last decade, there might have been reason to believe it was anti-Semitic malice, even though very few of the people we now call Jews can qualify as Semites. But take note that this document was written over 90 years ago, before the term anti-Semitic was coined by the Talmudists. The sixth protocol states that the true situation shall not be noticed by the Gentiles prematurely. We will mask it by a pretended effort to serve the working classes and promote great economic features for which an active propaganda will be carried out by our economic theories. The protocols were very probably never written in manuscript form, but were notes taken from the minutes of the World Zionist Conference, held somewhere in France or Switzerland near the end of the 19th century. The secret power of the Talmudists has developed as they have manipulated world governments into placing the secret government of a country in the hands of a few men of Jewish faith. No nations in the world are so completely under Zionist power as those of England, Canada, and America, the three leading true Israelite nations. The Protocols, in agreement with international Zionist leaders, look on the dispersion of the Jews as a blessing in disguise. In the Protocols, they say, This has brought us to the threshold of universal rule. In the Ninth Protocol, they explain in detail how they have taken over the control of one Israel nation after another. I quote, 
In order not to destroy prematurely the Gentile institutions, we have laid our efficient hands on them and grasped the springs of the mechanisms they formed. In a strict and just order, but we have replaced them with a liberal, disorganized, and arbitrary administration. We have tampered with jurisprudence, their justice system, the franchise, right to vote, their press, freedom of the person, and most important of all, education and culture, which is the cornerstone of their free existence. We have misled, stupefied, and demoralized their youth by means of education and the principles and theories patently false but which we have inspired above existing laws without actually changing them but by distorting them through contradictory interpretations we have created something stupendous in the way of results let's take a moment to analyze this protocol as an intelligent person, answer if you can the question of how this document, if it were a forgery as the Jews and their allies claim, could so accurately describe what is happening now, over 90 years after it was written. The laws of Anglo-Saxondom, the foundation of the modern Israel nations known as Christendom, have always been laid on the strict and just order of God's Ten Commandments. These have indeed been replaced by a teaching in both education and religion which says there are no absolutes. There is no such thing as black or white, only shades of gray. In other words, situation ethics which makes a thing right or wrong according to their circumstances. This teaching has released a Pandora's box of evils upon our society not the least of which is our modern acceptance of homosexuality as an alternate lifestyle when we know that the word of God says all those who practice this aberration are worthy of death. A close look at the Anti-Defamation League of the B'nai B'rith, which acts as an unlicensed agent of a foreign government, the state of Israel, and is allowed to operate unhindered in the United States has, for all intents and purposes, become unofficially an arm of the U.S. Justice Department. If you do not want to accept this fact, then ask yourself why every time you read about government action against a Christian patriot, you will find the thoughts of some official from the ADL. This Talmudic organization has been responsible for most of the paramilitary laws enacted in many of our states which are aimed at Christian patriot groups. The Jewish Defense League, the armed branch of the ADL, is allowed to operate unhindered in most of these states. A close look at the courts of our land will show a preponderance of Jewish judges, although Jews make up less than 3% of our population. They also have almost complete control of the American Bar Association, and lawyers who do not operate under their control are regularly blackballed in America's courts. Under Talmudic jurisdiction, America's courts have become noted for their protection of criminal rights, while the law-abiding citizen is often persecuted on the slightest pretext. We've already discussed Jewish control of the media. Analyze education and see the stranglehold the Talmudists have on the National Education Association and on our culture. Ask yourself, why Christian Americans have been forced to subsidize pornography in the arts through the National Endowment for the Arts. This is a Jewish-controlled organization which seems to specialize in downgrading Jesus Christ and Christianity at our expense. We witness the same downgrading of morals in the music industry, which is almost 100% Talmudic-controlled. And it has produced stupendous results. If you don't want to believe this, look at the screaming hordes of teenagers and college youth who are completely mesmerized by the so-called musical Pied, Pied Pipers. By changing the meaning of the Constitution, we now find it acceptable for protesters to burn the American flag. But we must never say anything derogatory about the State of Israel and its ambitious reign of terror in the Middle East. 
regardless of their threat to the Muslims or our Christian way of life. By the time this book is in print, we may even have hate laws which will hinder you from telling the truth about those who seek to destroy America. The method of the protocols can be summed up in one word, disintegration, the undoing of everything worthwhile in order to create chaos and thereby gain control of the people. So the protocols teach that in order to gain control of public opinion, it is first necessary to confuse it. This is successfully done through control of the media. Truth is not confusing. But the liberalism which has been sown in this country by the Talmudists is confusing because it is based upon a foundation of man's shifting values. There are no absolutes. There is no truth. Take a nation, a church, or a family in which liberalism has been sown and you can split it into fractions which will ultimately destroy it. There was a time in America when the family unit was strong and America was strong. But the enemy cleverly led both parents and children into believing that humanism was the way to go. As a result, in both children and parents, Christian and non-Christian, we have developed the idea of doing our own thing. If it feels good, do it. And there is no tomorrow, so live for today, no matter the consequences. This has led our Israel people into the almost unsolvable mess we find ourselves in today. Regardless of whether we like it or not, there is only one answer, and that is returning to doing things God's way. Again, I call your attention to Deuteronomy 28. White Christian Americans need to learn quickly that secularization is preparation for Judaization. That is the Talmudic way. The Talmudic program almost always starts off with flabby tolerance of anything and everything. The phraseology used is a dependable Talmudic weapon. Protocol 5 states, In all times, people have accepted words or words for acts. This is the basis on which they operate. Men and women like to be believers in something, and if you can convince them that being broad-minded is good, you can control their thinking in other liberal channels. As a result of this thinking, we have seen in the business world the prostitution of service into profit. There was a time when the American businessman was interested in putting out a top quality product, and he would often work long hours and put forth great effort to reach this goal. Then the Talmudic rationale of the gelt is the thing, gelt is Yiddish for profit or money. Get what you can, with the least amount of effort and time. Since American business has assumed this thinking, quality and pride of workmanship have taken a back seat and we are witnessing a decline in the profit picture. This is one of the major reasons the American automobile industry has had difficulty coping with that of Japan's where the worker is still taught pride in workmanship. The Talmudic principle is how much profit can we squeeze out of this product, not how can we make it better? This thinking causes the enviable art of good management to degenerate into the exploitation of those whom they employ in order to gain more profits. It means reckless confusion among managers and dangerous unrest among workers. It results in the breakdown of our Anglo-Saxon work ethic and the substitution of a foreign ideology. And the genealogy of this foreign ideology is rooted in the Babylonian Talmud, as we shall see. Protocol X states, We will wear everyone out by dissensions, animosities, feuds, famine, inoculations of diseases, and want until the Gentiles have no way of escape except by an appeal to our power and money. The Kahila is the most potent power in the American Jewish community. It is an organization which wields worldwide power and intimidates Jews into doing its bidding. The Kahila 
in New York City constitutes the essential part of the Jewish government in the United States, which in recent years has often been referred to as ZOG, Zionist Occupational Government, and is the center of American Jewry. It is the whispering gallery of American Jews where whispering drives are set in motion to break and destroy those Christian goyim who do not bow to their will. Under the Babylonian governmental system, the Kahila was the power and protectorate of the Jewish community. It operates under the laws of the Talmud. With the conversion of the Turco-Mongolian Khazars to Judaism in the 8th century AD, they immigrated heavily into Eastern Europe. The Kahila moved with them to that area and eventually onto the United States, centering in New York City in the 19th century. Today, New York is to world Jewry what Mecca is to the Muslim. The Kahila has its representatives in all Jewish organizations, such as the Central Conference of American Rabbis, Eastern Council of Reformed Rabbis, Independent Order of B'nai B'rith, with its harlot daughter, the Anti-Defamation League, the Independent Order of the Free Sons of Israel, the Federation of American Zionists, and many others. It encompasses all Jews, Orthodox, Liberal, Reformed, and Atheistic apostate Jews, poor Jews, rich Jews, law-abiding Jews, communist revolutionaries, criminal Jews, all come under its control. They are branded together so they claim to protect Jewish rights. But what rights are the Jews deprived of in America? There are none. This expression is nothing but a substitute for a campaign which seeks to deny Christian rights in Christian America. Again, this is the central teaching of the Talmud. The American Jewish community, <clears throat> excuse me, the American Jewish committee has divided the United States into 12 regions, and every state belongs to a district, which has its head the most powerful Jewish representative in that region. The capital of the world, and that of the United States as far as Jewish affairs are concerned, is New York City, which just happens to also be the seat of the United Nations government. It is the home of most of the anti-American, anti-Christian propaganda and pro-Jewish hysteria that sweeps this nation periodically. The Jews have a free reign to handle their own affairs in the United States. They have their own calendar. They keep their own holidays, observe their own form of worship, exist on their own dietary laws, which are now in the process of being forced on an unwilling Gentile population. And they do all of the above and much more without molestation from our government and without the slightest question of whether they are right or wrong. But the non-Jew, especially the Christian, must act according to Jewish dictates, or he is immediately accused of infringing on Jewish rights. This is borne out by Christ being removed from Christmas and Easter, the cross being removed from our public buildings, prayers taken out of our schools, and morality out of our government. Examine the upcoming hate laws which are being foisted on our Congress by Jewish organizations. Canada already has hate laws, and you must not say or do anything which will hurt the feelings of a Jew or other alien. But it is not considered a crime for a black man to degrade a white or for a Jew to blaspheme our Savior Jesus Christ. That is their right under this one-sided law. There is no such thing as anti-Semitism in America, except as it applies to the Jew against the Arab. But there is a tremendous amount of anti-Gentilism and anti-Christianity, which is deliberately being employed by the Talmudists in their drive for world power. Most American Christians fail to realize that most public disturbances, strikes, and political confusion do not just happen out of a clear blue sky. They are planned that way. A few years ago, the Jewish community of Skokie, Illinois, was thrown into a total frenzy by a Nazi group who applied for a permit to parade through town. Nothing was ever said on national TV or in the news, 
when it was discovered that the thug who paraded in Nazi uniform as the leader of the Nazi group was a young Jew from the Jewish Defense League. It has been proven that many incidents described as vicious anti-Semitism, such as desecration of synagogues and Jewish cemeteries, have been committed by Jewish thugs. This is a means they use to keep the little Jew in line with orders from the Kahila, and to keep the general public softened up over the ugliness being perpetuated against the noble, innocent Jew. A close check of the FBI's annual crime report will show that acts of violence by the Jewish Defense League and other militant Jewish groups outnumber those of the far-right fringe by 8 to 1. In most cases where Jews are involved, the authorities have strange lapses of memory when it comes to justice. Most of the violence on college campuses during the Vietnam War were communist planned and were carried out under Jewish leadership. Most of the anti-nuclear demonstrations and the violence of certain environmentalist groups is planned violence under Jewish leadership. I saw this from personal experience as I worked the lecture circuit of the colleges during the 1970s. The vast amount of communist propaganda literature being produced and distributed in the United States amounts to hundreds of millions of dollars annually. It is the work of Jewish authors who describe in glowing terms the throngs of liberty-loving aliens who want to come to the United States. The problem is... Once they're here, they do not want to abide by our laws, but desire to set up their own systems within our system. In Southern California, we see little Mexicos, little Hong Kongs, Vietnamese villages, Iranian communities, and East Indian communities. The billboard advertisements and signs are in their native languages, and just try to understand their employees if you are found in need of gas or other services in their ghettos. It was the Jewish Emma Lazarus who penned the propaganda we find engraved on the base of the Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor. Give me your poor, your tired, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. And American idiots, especially those of the Christian faith, opened the doors to the refuse of the world and today we are paying for it in the degeneration of our youth and the degrading of our educational system. We are paying for it through diseases which have been hitherto unknown in this country and through rampant crime and poverty among our people. We are paying for it through the nose with our tax dollars which provide welfare to these people who either cannot or will not work. The financial burden is breaking our backs. An honest look at America's problems will show that it is the Talmudic element which offers the most violent resistance to the Christian American way of life. The term melting pot was given to us by the Jew, Zangwill, and was something our founding fathers never envisioned for this country, which had been founded as a refuge for white Christians seeking freedom to worship God. Other religions were allowed to come here and receive protection, but they were never given the lawful right to change our way of life to conform to their heathen ideas. It is very possible that there are more Jewish communists in America today than there are in the USSR since they are all controlled from their One World Kahila Center in New York. Most of our modern day church leaders have succumbed to the scriptural confusion of mistaking Judah and the Jews for Israel they completely reject the words of our risen Lord in Revelation 2.9 and 3.9, where he warned, Them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. These church leaders, often acting from motives of self-interest, have misinterpreted the ancient writings that relate to Israel and Judah, and have made Judah the hub of around which their prophetic teachings rotate. They have, for all intents and purposes, forgotten or discarded their own roots and prefer to idolize those who are impostors. These churchmen fail to consider the fact that Judah has been in constant warfare with Israel for at least 2,500 years, 
When they first came on the scriptural scene in 2 Kings 16.6, about 742 B.C., lo and behold, they were fighting against Israel. To confuse the matter even more, most religionists fail to take the fact into account that at least 80% of the modern-day Jews are not of Judah at all, but are of Turco-Mongolian racial background from Eastern Europe. According to their own historians, they were converted to Judaism in the 8th century AD. Every leader of the modern state of Israel has come from this heathen background and is known as an Ashkenazi Jew. People often ask why Jewry, which on the economic front is international capitalism in disguise, should favor Bolshevism which is the announced enemy of capitalism. Why would a New York City Jew such as Jacob Schiff pour millions of dollars into the coffers of the Bolsheviks during the Russian Revolution? With every fact of history against them, there are still hordes of political and religious leaders in America who insist communism was not Jewish in origin and that the Jews have been persecuted in the Soviet Union. The USSR is the only nation in the world where anti-Semitism is punishable by death. Today, we find these intellectual idiots attempting to make hay for their warped ideas by stating Premier Gorbachev is violently anti-Semitic. Yet the facts prove that under Gorbachev, international Jews have become the only millionaires in Russia and that international communism in Russia, as well as the remainder of the world, is nothing but a facsimile of international Jewish Talmudism. If you are one of those who refuses to accept this truth, then explain why the only openly wealthy class in Russia who have elaborate dachas on the shores of the Black Sea at Odessa are Jews. As late as 1983, under the guidance of Premier Andropov, a Jew, 23 out of 25 members of the Politburo, the Soviet ruling clique, were Jews. Every top member of the military and of the Soviet police were Jews. What the present composition is, I do not know. But I do know that in spite of all the propaganda to the contrary in the American media, Russian Jews have received favored treatment over Baptists and Pentecostal, Pentecostal Christians. Why is it that we have been kept in darkness in America? Could it be because all our information comes to us through the Jewish Telegraph Service, which is the Associated Press of Worldwide Zionism? It might be worthwhile to think about this for a bit. The illegal method by which the Zionists in Palestine forcibly confiscated Arab land has been approved by our Zionist occupational government and by the wolves in sheep's clothing who stand behind America's pulpits declaring these bandits to be God's chosen people. Instead of giving honor to the men who fill these pulpits, patriotic Christians should hold them in the utmost contempt because they are traitors, not only to their country, but of more importance to their God. They have become paid prostitutes of Zionism, who according to Isaiah 56.11, all look to their own way, everyone for his gain. These include national TV favorites such as Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, Jimmy Swagger, Jack Van Impey, etc., Palestine has often been called the center of the earth because the power which has controlled Palestine in the past has been the one which controlled the world. Palestine has been the key to world military strategy and trade. It is located strategically between three continents and it lends itself to dreams of future glory <coughs> as the almost unlimited mineral and oil reserves of this area are astronomical. The native Arabs of Palestine were promised protection from Jewish expansion, first by British General Allenby, when he liberated Jerusalem from the Turks in 1918, 
and then by the Balfour Declaration, the San Remo Conference, and by President Wilson on his 14 points. But the Talmudists said, let the Arabs go. Let them give up their land to us. We want it. Oh, what a delightful Jewishness there is in this declaration. But today, the world is becoming alarmed at the seeds of Jewish aggression in Palestine and are beginning to realize that this could well be the catalyst which would set up Armageddon. In the meantime, the fundamentalists and evangelicals say they would welcome this catastrophe, not even comprehending the consequences of their words. Not one fundamentalist leader in a thousand understands the vastness and terror of Armageddon. Of course they don't worry about this, because they teach that they will not be here, but will be transported by Jesus to some place in the sky, where from the battlements of heaven they will watch as the rest of us are destroyed. They teach this without the slightest scriptural authority, and woe be to them when their church members discover they have been lied to. I could fill more pages speaking about Talmudic control of the media, TV, and Hollywood. As was pointed out in detail in a previous chapter, all major newspapers, TV networks, 9 out of 10 studios in Hollywood, the major magazines are all are Jewish owned and or controlled. What it boils down to is almost complete control over the news, which is spoon fed daily to the American people. Add to this the control of the publishing houses and the National Education Association, and you have the makings of a confused America just as the Talmudists said it would be. The Talmudic idea of education can be seen in the following remark made by Terry Herndod, former executive director of the National Education Association. The ultimate goal of the NEA is to tap the legal, political, and economic powers of the U.S. Congress. We want leaders and staff with sufficient clout that they may roam the halls of Congress and collect votes to reorder the priorities of the USA. The propagandists of Hollywood are free to make Christian clergymen anything from seducers to safe crackers to village idiots and get away with it. But a Jew must never be depicted in a critical light. No matter how dastardly his acts. Their viciousness toward Jesus Christ and Christianity can be seen in the recent blasphemous movie, The Last Temptation of Christ, which depicted our Lord and Savior as an immoral man. This movie was made successful by the hordes of so-called Christians who have made Talmudism successful in America. It has been Christianity that has supported the movie industry, the Jew liquor monopoly, the Jew tobacco industry. Jewish pornography and prostitution, everything which has been used to tear down our Christian heritage. In Protocol IV, we read, This is the reason why it is indispensable for us to undermine all faith, tear out of the minds of the goyim, the very principle of Godhead and the Spirit, and to put in its place arithmetical calculations and material needs. Protocol XVII We have long past taken care to discredit the priesthood of the Goyim and thereby to ruin their mission on earth which in these days might still be a great hindrance to us. Freedom of conscience has been declared everywhere, so that now only years divide us from the moment of the complete wrecking of that Christian religion. Emphasis added. In the communist textbook Psychopolitics, which was written in the USSR in 1933 and was the blueprint for the takeover of America, we read on page 52. We have battled in America since the centuries turned to bring to nothing any and all Christian influences, 
and we are succeeding. While we today seem to be kind to the Christian, remember, we've yet to influence the Christian world to our ends. When this is done, we will have an end to them everywhere. You must work until religion is synonymous with insanity. You must work until the officials of city, county, and state governments will not think twice before they pounce upon religious groups as public enemies. You wonder why hate laws which discriminate against Christians are being passed by a Zionist-dominated Congress? Here is your answer. It is the Talmudic principle in operation. I could go into the jungle music of modern rock and roll, which is controlled by Jews. We often wonder why our modern youth have degenerated into savagery, yet Christian leaders have refused to attack the Jewish source of this savagery. They are hamstrung by the teaching of their church that these impostors are God's chosen and must be protected at all costs, and that to confront a Jew is to bring God's curse upon them. Maybe these clergy and their parishioners should read Second Chronicles 19.2, which says, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon these from before the Lord. Sixty years ago, Werner Sombart, a pro-Jewish author, in his book, Jews and Modern Capitalism, predicted, If conditions in America continue to develop along the same lines as in the last generation, if the immigration statistics and the same proportion of births among the nationalities in the U.S. remain the same, our imagination can picture the United States in 50 or 100 years hence as a land inhabited only by the Slavs, Negroes, and Jews, wherein the Jew will naturally occupy the position of leadership. How accurate his predictions have become. Whites are about to become a minority in the country they founded and brought to greatness. Why? Because they've been led to compromise with and bow down to the heathen attributes of Talmudism. Professional sports in America have come completely under Jewish control to the point where they are pricing themselves out of existence. At the same time, they fulfill the Talmudic ambition to get the goy occupied by sports so that he has little time or energy in which to do the important things. This is a Talmudic principle. In Protocol XIII we read, In order to distract the people who may be too troublesome from discussions of questions of the political... Dot, dot, dot. In order that the masses themselves may not guess what they are about, we further distract them with amusements, games, pastimes, passions, people's palaces, dot, dot, dot. Soon we shall begin, through the press, to propose competitions in art, in sport of all kinds. These interests will finally distract their minds from questions in which we should find ourselves compelled to oppose them. Why this mad emphasis on sports? It is to take our minds off essential issues and prepare us for Talmudic takeover. The Jewish element has completely controlled boxing for years and has taken the sport of clean wrestling, which was a test of skill and strength, and turned it into a disgusting orgy. We now see mud wrestling spectacles between near-nude members of the female sex and the orgy of painted heathens groping and grunting their way in and out of the ropes. When anyone exposes the Talmudic control over any segment of our existence, the Jew becomes an inflamed zealot because the Jew cannot tolerate anything he considers to be criticism. You may criticize a Christian of any denomination with impunity, and until recently, most nationalities. But the Jew is sacrosanct, sacred and above criticism.
There is not a major newspaper in America or a major politician who dares admit that there is a Jewish problem. Any discussion or the laying out of facts immediately draws the label of anti-Semitism or hate monger. The Jew can call your Lord and Savior a bastard and few will complain. Show the Jew in his true colors and your expose will be labeled as full of lies, insinuation, prejudice, and hatred to instigate suicide. As I wrote earlier, the term anti-Semitic is a misnomer when applied to Jews today, since the people we now know as Jews have very little, if any, connection to the forefathers of true Israel. Very few of the people we know as Jews, with the possible exception of a few Sephardim Jews, can qualify as being Semites. The vast majority, according to their own historians, are Ashkenazi Jews of Turco-Mongolian background. Their forebears never set foot in Palestine. They have not one drop of Semitic blood in their veins, and they have no legal or moral title or right to the land they claim is theirs by right of birth. When one recognizes the problems caused in our society by Talmudic Judaism, it does not mean they have joined a campaign of hatred and enmity against all Jews. It is not hatred or prejudice to tell the truth about someone. Very few of our people even understand the meaning of the word prejudice. And as we said before, it comes from the word prejudicium, prejudicium, which means to form an opinion without knowing the facts or prejudging. There is no prejudice involved when one speaks the truth about anyone or any subject. It is probably fortunate that Jewish periodicals do not circulate freely among the non-Jew since they are composed of two dominant themes, Gentile unfairness towards the Jew and Christian prejudice. If Gentiles read Jewish writers, if, if Gentiles read Jewish writers, there would be a concerted effort to rid this country of Talmudism of all kinds. It is not anti-Semitism to proclaim the truth, known to many, that there is an international Jewish conspiracy to rule the world. For in spite of Jewish efforts to deny this, which is supported by their Christian Zionist sympathizers, Jewish literature abounds with their plans and designs. The protocols boast about it. The Talmud teaches it. The Jewish authors have gloried in their power, which will be theirs when they have taken over the world control. The protocols are the operating instructions to carry out the programs of the Talmud. The idea of a one-world government has been a Jewish dream from its inception. And many Jewish authors boast about it in their writings. My book Behold the International Jew, $5 paperback, has many examples of this. One example of this assertion is a recently received letter from a Jew. It was written to a patriotic Christian American leader and reads as follows. Sir, your people are so paranoid, it is so Obvious, we can no longer permit you to exist. We cannot allow you to spread your filthy, immoral Christian beliefs to the rest of the world. Naturally, you are opposed to the world government, unless it is under the grip of American fascism. You who proclaim the Christian American way of life is best 
it is obvious you have never been exposed to the superiority of the communist culture. World government will bring world peace, and this will not become a reality until American nationalism and imperialism is smashed. When your nationalism is smashed, I will personally be there to firebomb your church, burn your Bibles and confiscate your firearms, take away your children. We will send them to Eastern Bloc schools for redemption as future leaders of the newly formed Soviet Socialist Republic of America. We are taking over your world and there are not enough of you to stop us. I am prepared to fight you and all other enemies of the communist state. Sincerely your enemy, signed Gregory Paul Brookbank, Seattle, Washington. This is the Talmudic mind at work. Protocol XIV states, When we come into our kingdom, it will be undesirable for us that there should exist any other religion than ours, with whom our destiny is bound up by our position as the chosen people, and through whom our same destiny is united with the destinies of the world. Samuel Roth, a Jewish author, in his revealing book, Jews Must Live, said, A goyim neighbor of mine, a Miss Harlan, asked me one day, Do you actually think that a whole nation such as Germany would stand aside while Hitler eliminated all the Jews? Unless there were some real abuses on the part of the Jews which might justify it? In trying to answer this perplexing question, he wrote, Suddenly it dawned on me, blindingly, about all the evils for a long time that have been perpetuated by the Jews. The scroll of my life spread before me, and reading it, in the glare of a new savage light, it became a terrible testimony against my people. He remembered how, as a Jew, he'd been cheated by other Jews, how he'd been libeled by Jewish journalists and sent to prison because they didn't like what he wrote. He said, I have never stretched out my hand to help a Jew or Jewess without having had it bitten. I've never entrusted a Jew with a secret which he did not instantly sell cheap to my enemies. With subtle scheming and heartless seizure, which is the whole of the Jews' fearful leverage and trade. They drove me from law office to law office, from court to court, until I found myself bankrupt. It became so that I could not see a Jew approaching me without my heart rising up to mutter, There goes another Jew robber stalking his prey. On page 81 of his book he says, Every synagogue we Jews build in a Christian country is a finger of scorn we point at our hosts, a sore finger we stick into their eyes, like the leering of a senile old woman who does all sorts of foul mischief before you, and feels safe in the knowledge that you will not lay hands on her for fear of contamination. This, my Christian friends is Jewish Talmudism. The Jew Bernard Lazar, in his book, Antisemitism, page 350, said, The Jew is not satisfied with de-Christianizing. He Judaizes and destroys the Christian faith. He provokes indifference, but he imposes his ideals on the world of morals and of life upon those whose faith he ruins. He works tirelessly at his age-old task, the annihilation of the religion of Christ.
Oh, the emphasis added was he works tirelessly at his age-old task, the annihilation of the religion of Christ. This is Jewish Talmudism. I began this book by discussing the story of the Babylonian Talmud as told by the Jew, Jacob Neusner. Then we look briefly at the problems which have existed between the Jews and the Christian world, using as a background the book, The International Jew, by Henry Ford Sr. Now we will take a closer look at the Talmud itself, under the magnifying glass of truth, and see what it tells us about itself. Many of the comments in this section, as well as the actual quotes from the Talmud, are actual reproductions from pages of the English translation of the Talmud, Sunsino edition, and are taken from Elizabeth Dilling's book, The Plot to Destroy Christianity. That is the end of chapter 5. To the effects of the Talmud on Judeo-Christianity by Colonel Jack Moore, who passed into the heavenly home prepared for him as the saint of God that he was and now is. Freely share this out on any platform. Do subscribe and shout me out, though, at Free Speech on Fire at BitChute and Telegram. Free Speech on Fire. Sub to my channels for the further chapters to come and further readings from important books that our age and generation needs to hear until the end of time, until Christ's return. So be it.